0: SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Sunbelt fans, welcome in to another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. My name is Matt Miguez, Louisiana writer, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Brian Stone, our Georgia Southern writer. Brian, what's going on, man?
1: Not much, man. I'm every week that we do these episodes, I get more and more excited about the upcoming season. Right. Last week was the first week it felt real. And now it's just like excitement is building every week. We're not that far away from real football. Man, I'm I'm pumped.
0: I mean, dude, think about it. Media day is Thursday. Yeah. Media day is two days away. So, I mean, that's just, that. that's truly the, you know, the kickoff to the season camp starts next week. And uh, we're, we're at about 40 days away from from the kickoff to the season, you know, last week we sat here and we talked about my Louisiana region Cajuns and the season that we project them to have today. We're going to get into a team that my Louisiana region Cajuns aren't a huge fan of right now. And that is, and that is the Sunbelt East champions in coastal Carolina, man on, on paper. You look at their year last year, 11 and one, their only loss coming in their bowl game to Liberty on a, Missed field goal in overtime, you know, not, not a whole lot to, uh, to complain about if you, if you're Jamie Chadwell and his staff, I
1: I agree with that to an extent, but I just felt like they were a better team than Liberty. And I don't feel like that game should have been as close as it was. Now, you know, you can say whatever you want and we'll dive into it. And will kind of give my opinion on it, but I was a little disappointed by the way that they kind of showed up in the bowl game. I mean, Liberty was a solid team last year, no doubt, but I just felt like, I don't know, all things considered when you compare the the level of competition, I'm, I mean, Liberty had a really nice season. I'm not going to dispute that by any stretch, but I, I just felt like going into that bowl game that Coastal should have been the better team. And I, I was a little disappointed by the way that they ended their season. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I'll agree with you. Um, definitely going into that game, Coastal was, by and large, the, the better team. I, from from my vantage point, what I saw during that game, it just seemed like Coastal didn't really show up. Um, they, they looked flat-footed. Most of the game seemed out of shape, out of sorts and Hugh Freeze and Liberty did a, did a great job of of taking advantage of that. You know, uh, but outside of that game, the Troy game was obviously a, a close one. They had to they had to score a touchdown with less than a minute left to to walk out of that one. Their closest game last year was probably the game against Louisiana. I mean, tied 13-13 at half. It was 20-20 at the end of the third quarter. Um it was 27 to 27 you know, in the last minute or so when Massimo Biscardi hit the, hit the game winning 40 yard field goal. But in in your opinion, looking at their schedule last year, opponent wise, who who do you think was, was their toughest game last year?
1: I don't, I I honestly, man, like I, I know you want me to say you guys, but I watched the end of that Troy game last year and I couldn't believe how long it took them to finally get the upper hand on the Trojans. I mean, like, I, it was one of those weeks where I think Georgia Southern's game had kind of wrapped up early and I was kind of scrolling around on the ESPN plus app, seeing what other Sunbelt games were on. And I saw, you know, coastal was playing Troy and I had been vaguely, you know, on the bottom line, keeping up with that game and and kind of keeping an eye on it. And I said, you know, Troy's playing a pretty solid game against coastal. And then it was just kind of one of those things where slowly it, it, it spiraled a little bit in the fourth quarter for, postal they, they gave up the lead. It took a, a super long time for them to get back. I mean, they scored the game winning touchdown with like 45 seconds to go in the game. And it was like one of those, I think, I think the thing that puts that over the top for me more than it does with you guys is you, you two teams seemed on paper and on the field, like very evenly matched. And the reason I gave the edge to Troy was because Troy had no business being, there at that point with coastal when you looked at them from a, you know, a week to week basis. Now, now we talked about it last year, Troy, Arkansas state, extremely similar teams could get up any week and play with anybody, but then you get these peaks and valleys where it was like, you had no idea what to expect. And that was one of the peak games for Troy, even though it didn't end up in a win. I mean, they took him down to the wire. I couldn't believe it.
0: Yeah. You know, the, the that game was mind blowing for me also that was the weekend that we had played ULM and you know that game we talked about last week it ended up being 70 to 20 so it was pretty early on in the fourth quarter that i was kind of like okay you know we're, we're 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 over this this is moving on and uh one of my buddies texted me and he said hey are you watching this and i said the UL game yeah we're we're killing monroe and he goes no 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 coastal and troy and so that's when I flipped it on and there was maybe three minutes left in the game. And uh, Troy had, I think Troy just scored to take the lead. And I was like, there's, Oh, no-
1: I thought Troy had it in the back. I was like, there's no when way I was watching it.
0: I said, there's, there's no way this is about to happen. And then obviously, you know, Grayson McCall does what he does and, and ends up winning the game for, for coastal. Speaking of, of Grayson McCall, probably the most impressive freshman in the country last year. Uh, completed nearly 70% of his passes for right at 2,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, only three interceptions last season. He had two receivers go over 500 yards, and Isaiah Likely and Javon Haley, both of them, come back in 2021. And then he had, counting, counting himself, he had two rushers go over 500, and then his second string running back was 15 yards away from going over 500. So definitely just a a crazy dominant offense last year. And again, like I said, they returned nine starters on offense. So it looks to be more of more of the same for, for Grayson McCall and Jamie Chadwell.
1: Yeah. I mean, you talk about him being the most impressive freshman. I mean, it was for me, it was him and Spencer Rattler for uh, Oklahoma were neck and neck. Uh, I mean, you couldn't have asked for two freshmen to come in. And I mean,
0: yeah, Obviously, but Rattler, Rattler Rattler was hyped out of high school and goes to Oklahoma, yeah. so I mean, you expected that out of him.
1: But but the only thing I would cite is like level of competition, I guess with Rattler is the main difference, but I mean, to do each what they did at their own respective levels of college football was amazing. I mean, I, I think we talked about it going into last year. Like if someone goes back and listens to our coastal Carolina preview for 2020, I think we were kind of unsure as to who the, even the quarterback was going to be like,
0: we were, we were very unsure
1: because they had done this whole thing where they had rotated, quarterbacks the year before, and it was Fred Payton and it was, you know, someone else who had come in and played for a little bit. And, and man, Grayson McCall just came in and I couldn't have been more impressed with the season. He turned in, you know, 26 touchdowns, three interceptions, throwing the ball. I mean, I, I knew from reading you know some previews around Coastal that he he was pretty good with his legs like he was pretty athletic and mobile right I didn't expect him to be as polished of a passer as he was at the college level as a as a freshman
0: right and you know I remember last year it, it was about a month or so before the season when we when we talked about Coastal and you know it was very much still up in the air but I remember saying look out for Grayson McCall I mean he, he was a freshman that their coaching staff was high on felt like he could contribute in a big way. He ended yeah. up winning the job and then I mean the rest is history from there as everybody knows. But and 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 you know as as much as it pains me to say this as a Louisiana fan, I think that it's just going to continue in, in 2021. I mean they're going to be they're going to be a wrecking machine this year, man. And then, you know, a, Th- Phil Steele is kind of known as the the football god, you know, the the 350 page preview magazine that comes out every year he one of the things he does is he ranks the schedule in terms of difficulty coastal carolina has the easiest schedule in college football <laughs> number 128 yeah,
1: if 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 they needed anything else it was definitely an easy let's let,
0: let, let's play let's play the game let's go in order of their schedule and you'll you'll tell me win or loss the citadel that's a win kansas
1: I have to project that as a win. They beat them last year. Les Miles got caught up in all that I'm, crap.
0: I, I'm going to call that a loss because I don't think you beat a team three times. Maybe, I don't know, maybe like, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I
1: think they have a better team than Kansas does.
0: At Buffalo, I,
1: I don't know anything about Buffalo. To be totally honest with you, so I'm just going to say that's a win by default. UMass. Oh, UMass terrible win. ULM win for them. At Arkansas State. Now, I will say this. I think it's a win, but it's not an easy one. I think think one of these Arkansas State Troy games is going to be tough. I think one of these teams is going to get up to play them the same way that Troy did last year. Now, I just don't know which one it is. but
0: And then you go at App State.
1: That could be, I mean, that's the toughest game on their schedule. Yeah. Because they don't play Louisiana in the regular season and they have to go to Boone to play.
0: Then they host Troy.
1: I, I think App upsets
0: Yeah. I mean I I don't I don't disagree I mean, with you. Why why not? I think I think, I think App's gonna win the East next year, so I mean I don't disagree it's a, with you. It's
1: a night game in Boone on ESPN two. Is there a better I mean could you set the stage better for right. like, the Mountaineers?
0: Right. That's that's definitely gonna be a game that I'm gonna tune into. Yeah. Then you go to Troy. I mean not you host Troy. I think, they,
1: I think they beat Troy. Yeah.
0: Then you go to Georgia Southern.
1: They're better than us, so yes.
0: Georgia State. that that could, could be, be a game. That could be a game.
1: Because they straight up embarrassed the yeah. uh, Georgia state last year. And I think Georgia state going to hang their hat on that and say,
0: yeah, that's bulletin board hey, material, man. It
1: Right. This isn't going right. yeah, to happen again. Texas so state. I, I think they beat Georgia state for the record, but uh, they beat Texas state and they beat South Alabama to close the year. Yeah. So, so I think they're looking at 11,
0: 11 and, and one. one again,
1: 11 and one, 10 and two.
0: Yeah. I mean, in, in the sunbelt, I mean, can you really ask for, for better? I mean I don't I don't want to downplay I don't I don't want to downplay the Sunbelt by saying that but like I mean up up until 3 years ago when you had when, when there was only one team that was really dominant in the conference going 10 and 2 was like oh my god we're the we're amazing
1: well, that's kind of the problem with the Sunbelt as a whole right now is where it stands, at least on papers. It's very top heavy. And I think yeah. we talked about this last year. It was like, and,
0: and it's just become more and more top heavy over the last couple right. of years.
1: The rich get richer. And it, it's one of those things where realistically, when you go into this year, unless some team makes a jump the way that Coastal did last year, Going into the year, we only project maybe three teams to have a shot at the Sunbelt title. Right. Which makes the the whole league very top.
0: Which, ending. whether whether you agree or disagree, I, I would say the same for 2021, right? I mean, yeah, there's, really, it's there's Coastal, really three teams. It's, App,
1: it's Louisiana. Yeah. Those are the three teams that have a shot at winning. I mean, unless, like I said, unless some team just comes out of left field the way that Coastal did last year, which, right. I mean, it could happen. I it mean, it well could happen. Very well but, could. Very well could i i just don't uh, i I don't see a team overcoming all three of those teams you know what i mean and being like we're just better like it coastal was so coastal in louisiana especially the margins for beating them were so thin that it was like you had to be perfect for sure and it and it's like if you're a, if that team hypothetically, if we come up with Team X that that makes a run this year, if they're in the West, the second they slip up, Louisiana's right there. Right. You know what I mean? And in the East, it's like the East is kind of a dogfight. So it's like if that team was Troy, for example, and they decided that they were going to make a run or whatever this year, the second you slip up, like App is right there, Coastal's right there. They're just waiting on you to screw up.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So
1: I I just think it's so hard for, for a team to come out that isn't one of those three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and that's been proven for probably the last three years now, you know, looking at, looking at Coastal's defense, the only real piece that they lost from last year was Taron Jackson on the end. I mean, they returned CJ Brewer, they returned Jeffrey Gunter, they returned Silas Kelly and Teddy Gallagher in their, in their linebacking core. You have the Jordan Strong coming back, who was the anchor of your secondary last year. And, you know, being a, being a defense that only gave up, they only allowed 20.3 points a game last year.
1: Yeah, the only place that they really have to improve upon is their red zone defense. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm looking at some stats here now. They finished ninth in the conference in red zone defense last year. Ninth in the conference yeah wow in red zone defense now yeah. you can make the argument they played BYU and they'll never do that they won't do that again and their schedule is set in stone versus last year it was constantly in a state of flux like a lot of these teams were right now the the thing that you mentioned I, I mean I think finding a guy like Taryn Jackson to fill that role eight and a half sacks last year I don't yeah. think that's to be taken lightly now. Now you can kind of cobble together a pass rush as you need to. You can get a a committee to come in and rush the passer consistently. But I mean, you're just not, I mean, at least on paper going into this year, I don't feel like there's going to be one guy like Taron Jackson that kind of just owns the pass rush. I
0: I think, I think Manny Johnson, the freshman is a guy that they can mold into that kind of player. But mm-hmm. talk, in terms of this coming season, yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think you have a Taryn Jackson in, in your locker room that can that can really just get after quarterbacks. Um, looking at their defense, man, who, who do you think is, is going to make the most impact for them this year?
1: I mean, I think it's got to be DeJordan strong. And the, and the reason I say that is because we know as people who watch the Sun Belt every week how, I mean, outside of pretty much your team and my team, how pass heavy the entire conference is. So I think if he can kind of anchor that defense on the back end and make sure that these teams like a Troy, Arkansas state, you know, even a Georgia state, like we mentioned,
0: yeah, those those area offenses.
1: Yeah. If they, if they're not burning you on the back end, I, I think you have a chance in any game you play. Now it's a little different when you come play the couple teams in the conference that are very extremely run heavy, like, Louisiana, you know, you guys love to run the ball. Obviously we don't throw the ball unless something's gone wrong, like horribly wrong. So it's like you can adjust on those weeks, but I think, I think the key to winning in the Sun Belt, like nine out of 10 times is, is just shutting down the pass of the other team.
0: Yeah, no, no no question about it. Now, one thing that's going to be interesting, you bring up Louisiana in terms of a team that's very run heavy. I think, I think we'll be, we'll be run heavy again, this season but with the receivers that we have i mean our top eight receivers from last year all come back um and with the offensive line the man look for us to be more more balanced i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if you see levi lewis throw the ball a lot more this year than than he has in his career so uh yeah uh, obviously a big a good secondary in the Belt is is very important
1: it's huge i mean it's almost the cornerstone cornerstone of winning the entire conference. Like a lot of coaches like to build from the line out. And in the Sun Belt, I almost feel like you have to build from the back end in because it's like if right. you play one of these teams, you know, even the lesser teams in the conference well, I mean, love to look air at, the ball out.
0: Look look at that. in the in those two years that we had the conference championship game where they played us. Look at their secondary. They had yep. a they had a young Shamar John Charles. They had Sean Jolly. You had Clifton Duck back there. I mean, they always had a dominant secondary. We couldn't throw the ball to save our lives. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that- it's it's one of those things. Like like you said, a dominant secondary is is what you need to win in this conference.
1: I mean, the best year, and, and I don't want to relate this everything back to Georgia Southern, like I said, but the year that we put together. 2018 where we won 10 games it was because of the secondary right it was because we had monquavian brinson and um kindle vildor back there anchoring these the secondary.
0: did you like, have a guy get drafted out of that secondary
1: vildor went in the fifth round to the bears okay yeah so he's he's like a, a backup slot corner but i i mean brinson had some issues i mean i he was not the biggest guy which was his big detriment but for college I mean, they were as good as you could ask for for Sunbelt pass defense. I mean, that was the reason they were in a lot of games is because those two guys were not letting anyone get behind them that year. Now, we had issues later on with like the safety position, but that year specifically, it was backside in where it was like we start with a strong secondary and we work. We can work with. Maybe not as strong a set of linebackers or maybe not the best pass rusher, even the best run stoppers in the world. But if you can shut down the pass and the Sunbelt, a lot of times these teams aren't even I mean, Arkansas State's not going to try to run the ball. Right. So, like, if it's not working, they're just going to keep throwing. Troy's kind of the same. deal. Troy wants to be a little more balanced, but if they can't throw the ball, that's kind of it. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. so the the thing with these teams like app and coastal and you guys is you are a, a team that wants to run the ball philosophy wise that can throw right. versus these other teams that want to throw the ball, but
0: and can't really run.
1: They might try to run if they're desperate, but right. they want to air it out. And then I think that's that's what makes coastal so solid is like, you know, last year the pass rush that we mentioned Teron Jackson, the defensive backs that were so solid. They they
0: had, they had you locked down whichever way you wanted to run, whichever way you wanted to play. It was right.
1: They allowed 20 points per game, which is tough to do in college football, you know, with all the high flying offenses that play in college football. So, I mean, you know, like we said, they, they have one big loss on defense. If they can cobble together a pass rush to make up what they lost in Jackson. I mean, I like, I like their chances again. I mean, I, mean, I think looking, it all comes down to the app.
0: Game. You know, we, we talk about them allowing 20 points a game last year. If you look at their schedule from last year, only six teams scored 20 or more against them. Kansas, Campbell, Arkansas State, Louisiana, App State, and Troy. Yeah. And four four of those six were the first four games of the year.
1: I mean, I don't have the average margin of victory in front of me, but they had one, two, three games that were within ten points or yep. fewer last year. Which is crazy. Because that means that no going down to it if you weren't, you know, Louisiana.
0: Three of those Troy, games. Three, three of those BYU, games were a touchdown or less.
1: Yeah. If you weren't Louisiana Troy or BYU, you didn't you weren't you were in a two possession game with them last yep. year. So which basically at the end made it impossible to, to beat them. Right. So it's like, if they just keep that momentum up going into this year on defense, especially, I mean, I think it's going to be tough even for the good teams on their schedule, like app to beat them because it's like, what do you have that they haven't seen?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: app would have to be do something revolutionary on offense. And I feel like that's kind of the problem with a lot of these teams. They play is like, they're not willing to do the things that go outside the comfort zone. Like I know for a fact that we are not going to throw the ball against them. No. So if we can't run the ball games over, right. Like essentially is what it is. So, so right. I
0: mean, which, which do, do you, uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about it. You know, talking about one dimensional programs. Cause let's be honest, Georgia Southern, incredibly one-dimensional if you don't have success with the option you're in you're in big trouble um right. do, do you how much of a problem do you think that is especially in a conference like the sun Belt?
1: well I mean like I said the sun belt is a contrast of extremes with with how you deal with offenses like Georgia Southern is here on one end of the spectrum where we're not throwing the ball unless we're down two plus scores late in a game. And then you get teams, like I said, on the other end, like an Arkansas state where it's like, we don't know if we can run the ball Like (laughs) late in games. We might be throwing bubble screens to like kill the clock because we don't know if we can literally run the ball or not. So it's, I I mean, you're going to run the gamut every week when you're in the sunbelt, your defense has to be ready for everything. And that was the thing about coastal that was so dangerous, which was like, they were ready for whatever right you wanted to throw it they were there you wanted to run it they'll, they'll stack nine guys in the box and play man-to-man and one high safety i mean right. so i mean i mean what do you do against a defense that's that flexible and what they can do break i mean you say, have to say, you say, have some, to pray. say some prayers you have to you have to do what liberty did which is like you have to have a a, a guy at quarterback that's athletic who can get out in space and make things just make
0: plays. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like break people's assignments. Dude,
0: Malik, Malik Willis, he, that kid is phenomenal.
1: Yeah. And he, he's so fast and it's like, it makes it so hard to, because as good as grace McCall is, he's not a track star at the quarterback position. Right. So whoever you bring in to play, the scout team quarterback, you're not going to be able to prepare for that. And I think that that's, that's not yet. I mean, Levi could do it. You guys as quarterback, yeah. Levi Lewis could do that. And I think that's a game plan in order to, to be a, a team like coastal. But I think that's what you have to do is right. you have to bring something that they can't emulate in practice. And it was like every good team that you list off last year, it was like, yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson's a good quarterback. He's going to get drafted number two to the Jets, but he's kind of a pocket passer that it's right. like you knock him off his that's spot. All,
0: that's all he can really do, right?
1: Yeah. What is he going to do with that? Nothing. Right. I mean, he's not, he's not that great of a scrambler. Okay.
0: Yeah. You know, so obviously talking about Coastal Carolina, we, we talked about their offense. We talked about their defense. Let's get into their coaching staff, especially Jamie Chadwell. Uh, the man won numerous coach of of the year awards last year. It's going to be his fourth year, I believe, at Coastal Carolina.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Do you think it's his last one?
1: I think it depends on what high-profile openings come up. Um, Once we sort of get into the season, what teams are looking at their head coach like you've got one foot out the door. You need to impress us. Right. You know, when you look at a team, the, the team that immediately comes to mind for some reason, and I think it's cause I looked at them on another, on a Liberty schedule is like Virginia tech. Like if you're looking at a, a coach, like Justin Fuentes, who, who came from Memphis and had some success there, but has not really been able to do much, do of, much of Virginia, Virginia tech, tech.
0: Right.
1: It's like, you've probably got him on the hot seat. I mean, the second a big opening comes up, I mean Chadwell's got to be linked to it, yeah. right? I mean, why I, not? I,
0: I would say so. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think I think the coaches that are in that position are uh, Napier, like you got. You know, uh, I, I mean, we're, I think we're,
0: I think we're in that position every year. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, I think I think uh, going through the openings that came up last year, like South Carolina, was foolish to to pass over napier because i think anytime you pass over a guy that has head coaching experience like chadwell or napier or whatever you're kind of making a mistake because you're kind of throwing someone in who's not really done it before and you're just hoping that it works versus watching a guy at a a previous program say you know this guy has the track record i've seen him do it now it it would be against a different level of competition competition, right but but if we can get that to translate you
0: know he knows how to win right
1: yeah. So I, I mean I think there's a lot of these FBS teams that play in the Power 5 that have guys or are coaching that is 1 foot out the door and it's like if right. we start slow I mean Justin Fuentes can be a uh, gone be gone if they halfway start through the year, 4. right. If they start Owen 4, he could be gone week 5. Yeah. I mean what what is he done to like earn that? Right. You know what I mean? Or yeah, or, for sure. or, or any anybody like that. So it's like I think Chadwell and Napier are, are prime candidates to kind of be pruned by these bigger programs.
0: Yay. I love dealing with the stress of, of, of that.
1: Listen, man, these are champagne problems. You, you haven't, you like haven't <laughs> lived until you've watched some bald guy tank your football program Dang. and take you from an, uh, an eight, a perennial eight win team to winning two games every season.
0: Champagne from my real friends, real pain for my sham friends. But, you know, man, I remember last year talking about coaching changes. You know, I remember last year when when the South Carolina job opened up and Billy became, you know, a, a key a key name in that coaching search. I was like, man, there's no way there's no way we're competing with South Carolina. And then, you know, I hear I hear well, the, it.
1: It sounded like South Carolina was what got in the way of South. Carolina.
0: Well, right. Because what happened was we go up to Myrtle Beach for the conference championship game and, and Napier Napier planned it perfectly on the travel back to Lafayette. He met with I means that with South Carolina officials in the Atlanta airport. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, he withdraws his name. So something in that interview process went wrong. And then Auburn opens up.
1: I mean, I can give you my opinion on what went wrong. Is that their athletic director's is dumb and doesn't know what he's doing because he was a baseball coach that got promoted to athletic director. Right.
0: I mean, the, the last thing you want to do.
1: Now, the Auburn job, I feel like you mentioned it. I feel like what they were doing was looking for. I don't want, I'm not trying to be mean when I say this, but like a step up from where a Louisiana or a For coastal sure. is because sure. Boise has the, has those years behind them of being a, a, a pesky P, uh, a group of five team that can compete and play with these bigger schools. Right. And it doesn't matter that, you know, the coach that made them what they are today, isn't there any longer. You know what I mean? Right. Like it doesn't matter that, the guy that took over a couple years ago, Boise wanted gone regardless and was happy to see him out the door from what I understand, you know? So it is what it is. Um, well, you know, know the, they,
0: the thing the they thing, ended
1: up taking the Boise coach and that's fine.
0: The thing, the thing that got interesting with Auburn is that Napier was actually offered the position by Auburn. Um, um, I, I talked to a guy at Auburn um. And I I imagine that this is public information by now, but uh, it was it was a five year deal at six million dollars a year.
1: It's tough to turn down.
0: And Napier, Napier turned it down strictly on the basis of he likes his administration at Louisiana because Auburn, Auburn is well known for having an administration that, hey, you, you do things our way.
1: Outside influence, right? Too, is what I've right. Heard. Booster, boosters, boosters, crap goes yeah. on. You,
0: you do you do things our way and the boosters' way, and yep. that's not the way Billy Napier is going to operate.
1: Well, and, and that's the other thing about you know going back to Chadwell with Coastal is like I could see him. It, I mean, if he turns in another great year this year, I could see him kind of sitting back and being like, "I'm going to let the teams you know, come to me." Why, why leave? Feel, yeah, and be like, I'm waiting for the right opening at the right program right. that wants to do things my way.
0: Well, you know, one thing one thing that's going to be interesting is with the college football playoff expanding to 12 teams, you have to think that that's going to open the door for a G5 team to have a spot in the playoff. I mean –
1: I think at the very least what it does is if you have a team that is an overwhelmingly good G5 team, say like Central Florida a couple of years ago, and they just run the table. I think at some point the committee is just going to be like, stick them in, you know, whether it's coastal last year, you know, whatever, stick them in it. Listen, if they get crushed by Alabama, so be it like that's what people wanted to see. Right. But then but then if it goes the other way and they keep it tight or or they even upset one of those quality teams, I mean
0: Then you have a gold mine. Right. You have a gold mine. So my yeah. my thinking is is it has to it you know how they do now the top G5 team gets into your sixth bid. Right. I would imagine one of those 12 spots is going to be for the top G5 team. Like I would just So I feel like it'd be crazy not to.
1: Here's my question. Like, let's say for the sake of argument that coastal plays Louisiana in the, um, Sunbelt title game and they actually play this time. Right. Um, do you think the winner of that game is going to the college football playoff?
0: It would have to depend on, on two things. Number one, it would have to depend on what either team has done with their season. And then secondly, it would have to depend on what happened in the American. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, you could have, you could have a a 12 and O coastal Carolina again, win the conference championship. But if you've got an 11 and one Cincinnati where their only loss is to, you know, Georgia, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: the committee's put in Cincinnati, right? 100% hands down. No, and I then agree. and then Coastal would get the New Year six bid.
1: Well, let's say for the sake of argument, then both Louisiana and Coastal somehow turn in the same exact records as they had last year, and Cincinnati or Memphis or whoever it is right. out of the American regresses, and the whole conference is like the top of the conference then, is like nine and three, eight and four. Then yeah, do you think the winner of that yeah. game moves on? I do. Okay.
0: I mean, because because yeah. right right now right now I think the way it is is that you've got you've got the American and you've got the Sun Belt, and in, in my opinion, I think those are the top two G five conferences right now. Um, because the Mountain West, I mean, let's be honest, the Mountain West the last ten years has been Boise Boise State show to run. Kusa, um, we'll
1: see what that what that new coach comes in and does. Right. Apparently, he's Boise State alum, was the Oregon, I believe, offensive line coach. I really. Mean, yeah, like he's he, uh, from what I understood, and this is only through like the college football subreddit. Right. Um, the people that are Boise State lifers love the fact that Harson is gone and that they got him to come be the new interesting,
0: country.
1: interesting. Like they would love it. Apparently, they did not like Harson, from what I understand. I
0: don't see how you dislike the guy. All he, all he like did, all he did was win. Oh, well, I think his yeah. personality. I, I could see that. But no, getting back getting back to my point, uh, the Mountain West is Boise State's show to run. Kusa has been Florida Atlantic for you know a while now,
1: and they're they're coasting off those Lane Kiffin fumes, right?
0: I I don't want to disrespect the MAC, but I mean they've been a weak conference for
1: forever. Yeah, they don't have that team that can kind of step up and.
0: So I mean, if you if you ask me right now, the top two conferences in the G five. It's The Sun Belt and the American, yeah. Um, so yeah, like like you said, the hypothetical if the American kind of regresses where their champions nine and three, eight and four, and Louisiana or Coastal's 11 and one, maybe even 12 and oh, yeah, no, no question. The, the Sun Belt champ gets that spot in the playoff.
1: I'm gonna go ahead and drop the hot take. Then Sun Belt champ goes to the playoff top 12 teams. Interesting, I'm gonna go ahead and do it because, like, what. <laughs> The, the only thing that stands in my way is like Cincinnati
0: could you could you imagine George yeah and, and you see that that that' kind of lead, leads me back to my original point you you were talking about Chadwell letting the teams come to him you know if you're Chadwell or Billy Napier with this playoff I mean wh- why would you leave because because you have well, it out, outside of playing for a big name but like yeah. think think about it and, and I'll say it from from Louisiana's perspective. You're getting a brand new stadium. The university just doubled your salary. You're getting a top 75 recruiting class this season. And to top it all off, starting in 2023, if you win your conference, you have a, I'd say at least a 40% chance of making the playoff.
1: I mean, to just to play devil's advocate. Like I, I don't know how much you, you like to do that. In. Yeah. I mean, to play into people like Chadwell and Napier's decisions, I think to play devil's advocate, you would say like, I, so I, I just want to play devil's advocate from where we were. Um What I'll say is I think if you're someone like a Napier or a Chadwell, I honestly think that you take a very stark look at your program, whether it be Louisiana coastal. And I think when these bigger teams come calling, you sit there and go, do I actually have the opportunity to win a national championship at this program? I think is the, the overwhelming point that will always come back into these people's heads because, you know, unlike the FCS, not every team has a shot. Not not truly, because once you step up and play big boy football with the FBS, you're competing with the Nick Sabins of the world, you know Dabo Sweeney Dabo Sweeney every year and it's like I I don't honestly think, and I mean this may be Sunbelt heresy for some people or you know most people might just nod their head and go, yeah, you're kind of right but I don't honestly think that these guys have a shot to win a national title at these schools, so I think that, you can look at money, you can look at the stadium, whatever it may be. I think that deep down, some of these coaches are like, I have a shot to go to a school where I can recruit for a chance to win a national title where I don't have that at a Sunbelt team, which is not an offense to any Sunbelt team. They're just, there's nobody in the conference right now that's in that position is what I mean.
0: Right. And, and I don't, I don't disagree with you. Um, that that would definitely be the the only reason I I could see that that a guy like Napier or Chadwell could go to a bigger program, um, and and obviously but that's a that's a humongous like, reason.
1: Here here's an example. Like, look at where North Carolina was five years ago, and look at where they are now with Mac Brown.
0: For sure, they're they're and they're not, not saying that they're in a national title com- conversation,
1: and none of these coaches are. F- to my knowledge on the same level as Mac Brown, because Mac Brown obviously has done it at Texas and has that experience. But like that's how fast things can turn around at a, I mean, God, look at power five programs. Look at
0: coastal dude. All they needed was a quarterback, right? They went from five and seven in 2019 to 11 and one.
1: That, that is still the most impressive coaching job I think I saw last year. I, I mean, yeah, for sure. There, 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 there's, there's
0: points? a reason, there's a reason Chadwell won so many coach of the year awards.
1: There's you no, know, there's I, a reason I had for that doubts. I, I mean, I'm going to be totally honest. Cause like I've, I'm, I was wrong. You know, he was in the running for our coaching job back in, I think it was 2017, 14, has, has no, 2014 when he was in, when he was at Charleston Southern
0: has Lunsford been there that long.
1: No, this was Tyson Summers getting hired. Like he, he was in the coaching. Like they were talking about him potentially interviewing for the opening back when, before Summers got hired. So this was two coaches ago. I'm going to be honest. When coastal hired him, I was like, you know, that seems like a step down for him to be an OC at a, at a school like coastal, you know, they had had that, that guy who I don't remember his name. Totally apologized. Chant fans, but I don't remember that guy's name. I don't know. Moglia. Oh, yeah. Moglia, Moglia. 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 Yeah. So he's, he's he had dating been there now. for a while. Yeah. So he had been there for a while, and, and Chad will slowly kind of just took over and was like, now I'm the, the the coach. And then he had the first two years, and I was like, maybe like Georgia Southern kind of made the right decision by not hiring this guy. Like, I haven't really been overly impressed. And then last year, man, it was just a complete oh, yeah. 180 for like his first. They,
0: they years. were they were impressive. I mean, I'll, I'll give them that. Um, yeah, you know, so, obviously, I mean, obviously.
1: Hand up, hand up. I was totally wrong. Like I, I was like. I mean, dude, I, know, I
0: was wrong about Billy Napier.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're, it, it was like his first couple of years. I was like, if you're going to be a five and seven, six and six coach, like, right. yeah, maybe, maybe you don't. You're not really cut for it, and. Right. then – he gets McCall last year and everything turns around. So, I mean, credit to him, credit to McCall. They're, they killed it last year.
0: You know, you, you talked earlier about uh, passing over a guy with, with coaching experience. Before Louisiana, Napier had no coaching experience. Or head coaching experience, should I say?
1: Well, it's different when you're at, like, our level of football is kind of what I meant. Like, right. it, it, it's it's another thing when you get to, and and Chadwell has this now, and we know he has it. But it we know that he has the ability to build a program now yeah. because he did it with Coastal. I mean, the first two years, uh, ye- and then it was like, all of a sudden last year, all the pieces came together. He got his quarterback. The yeah, pieces I mean they were—they the were, were a household
0: name together. last year, man. Dude, they—they they, yeah. college game day went to Myrtle Beach last year.
1: Yeah, which is still crazy to me to think about. Like in hindsight, that yeah, could you college a, a, game a day
0: college game day game, they went to a Sun school? That's absolutely <laughs> nuts, man. Absolutely yeah. nuts. Um, and
1: and I mean they totally deserved it. Yeah, uh, I sure. mean they had. I, I think the you know. You're gonna get mad at this, but bar the the conference championship game that didn't happen. I mean, to throw that together, that season in what we had last year in 2020 with COVID and everything, yeah, for sure, is still it's it's
0: super impressive. It is.
1: It was like organized chaos. Is like the best way I can put it.
0: They they were scared. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know. Go, going ahead, ahead and wrapping this one up, man. We, we talked about their schedule earlier it's 11 and 1, 10 and 2. Do you think they win the East and make a conference championship game?
1: You know, I think so. And I just, you know, no offense to, to App State. I, I don't know what Chase Bryce is going to give you guys at quarterback. I think I'd rather hedge and go with my what I've seen right. work in the conference with McCall rather than say Chase Bryce was a backup to Trevor Lawrence and then he had a, a subpar. Weird, weird bad year at right. Duke so that means X is going to happen or you know he's going <sighs> to do this at an at, at, at app it's like no. I'd rather just say I watched Grace McCall be very very good at at coastal yeah, last
0: completed year, 70% of his
1: passes. Yeah. Through three picks all season. Right. Like I will bet on that to happen again. Like there's no reason for me to believe that he's going to regress because the roughly the same team is around him other than at running back. Right. So it's like, Yeah, I picked them to win the, I mean, I think it's going to be coastal Louisiana again as the two top teams in the conference and, and we'll see where it goes from there. But funny enough is like, it kind of is like the same two teams from last year are going to be playing again in the conference title game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, no question about it. Definitely going to be a, a wild year in the Sunbelt. I mean, coastal Louisiana app, you know, one of the Georgias could, could make a, could make a run at, at being one of those top tier teams in the conference. So, yeah, I mean, I mean,
1: I just need to see I just need to see app do it like with the new quarterback. Yeah. I think it's my main is what's holding me back from being yeah. like they can't I'm not saying they can't. I just want to see it before I'm like convinced. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: No, no, no question about it. Next week, we will dive into the App State Mountaineers. Talk about second year head coach, Sean Clark, their new quarterback, Chase Bryce, who they have coming back, who they lose schedule, all that good stuff. We'll give you a full preview of the Mountaineers Brian before we go man uh, tell everybody where they can find you on social media
1: you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at watch the stone
0: and you can find me on Twitter at Miguez Matt and you can also follow my UL podcast at Rage and Review on social media again Brian man this was fun and uh, just one week closer to football absolutely you know I mean mean, how, how do you how do you beat that
1: you can't. Uh, I'm like a kid on Christmas around football season. Yeah, uh, uh,
0: late late August, early September. I mean, in South Louisiana, it's a blistering 95 degrees, but at least Man, I'll, back.
1: I'll tell you, I know it's not a one to one for a lot of people that listen to our podcast, but I live in Louisville. When that crisp autumn wind hits you, and one morning you wake out and God, walk you, out, and it's 60 do degrees. Y'all get a
0: crisp autumn wind that early in the year.
1: Uh, I would say like mid September. Oh my God. It, you walk out and you go, whew, I need a jacket today.
0: Bro, That's I don't, been. I don't break out the jacket till mid October.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm bundled by October. The, 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 the,
0: the, first, the first four games in September, I'm showing up in a polo and shorts.
1: And when I, and still sweating. When I lived in Georgia, I was the exact same way. But now, like I said, I live in Kentucky. It's, it's horse country man it's right. you know we true fall crisp autumn, autumn wind hits you it's it hits different That's well, the kids say. I mean
0: I need that <laughs> I need that life because I'm you know it's funny you you live in a place for so long I've lived in Louisiana you know my entire life I turned 24 this year and you think you think you get used to it right like you go through it every summer you think you're gonna get used mm-hmm. to it you don't you don't no, Nine, felt, 95, 95 still hurts
1: i felt i felt the same way um football never felt like football to me until it got halfway down through to, the year until it got to the low 80s in the highs and yep. then i was like huh like i'm not dying right. Of heat, right <laughs> but now it, for me like it's just like man like and then and then, and, then, and
0: then by november you're breaking out the the hoodies and you know
1: that's oh, by November, I'm wearing like boots.
0: Oh, oh god. <laughs> I,
1: I don't. I don't it's own. I don't own. I don't own
0: winter boots because I don't I need to. to. There's no point. If if if, if if it snows down here, we shut down for a week.
1: No, like, it snowed. It snowed last year, and there was an ice storm, and like nothing right. changed.
0: Oh no! Every, in in Louisiana, <laughs> if white stuff falls to the ground, everything's closed everything
1: well that's well that's how it was in georgia but i'm telling you man it's it's like it's it's insane the first i want to say so to give like a time frame the first two weeks of the nfl season are warm here and then after that man it's just like you can wake up one morning and and it's 60 degrees out and it's just a different you're just like i made it that's so (laughs) nice
0: all right, Brian. Once again, appreciate you, man. Next week, we will we will talk Ab State. And to everybody listening, we hope you enjoyed another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast.